From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the radio show broadcasting live to the worldwide webs on the internets. I like adding S behind everything. Okay. Our show is simply this. Group therapy for the paranormally affected. That's pretty much what we do here every single day. The phone number to call in with your real ghost stories, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. You can always write it on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com as well. Be sure to press the subscribe button. That's my other plea to you. Uh, pressing subscribe ensures that you get the show delivered to you as we do them. No more searching us every time you're trying to find an episode. Just press subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever you're listening to us on, and uh, make sure you get those episodes it helps us because more, more people become aware of it. It tells those engines that, hey, people like that show. We should suggest this to more people. And uh, we get uh, more folks uh, in the mix of our giant paranormal group therapy session that is Real Ghost Stories Online. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, if you want that bonus episode, we're giving it away. Uh, all you have to do is give us a positive review there on iTunes. You email me back the username you used. My email address is Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. And uh, I'll reply back with a link to the bonus episode of our show. Uh, there you go. That's uh, that's my spiel. Okay. On uh, today's episode, whole bunch of calls, and I think people are starting to realize that it is kind of the fast pass. Yeah. To get their story on the air is to call it in, um, and it's true. We have a lot of uh, letters to get through. We uh, we have a lot of calls that we get through, but uh, the wait time in those lines very different. It is equivalent to having the fast pass at Disneyland or wherever you're going. You get the call in, you're going to get it on the air pretty quick. The uh, <laughs> the letters, a little bit longer wait. Um, we will I indeed get to all of them. It's just the lines are the lines are different. So uh, 855-853-4802. You know, you're great at reading the stories, but sometimes that little added thing about them. Yeah calling and telling it and you can almost hear the fear in their voice that just so adds to I the story. I love hearing the stories from the people who who had them, who experienced them. Yeah. I mean originally when I started the show um the first couple episodes of the show were, honestly, it was my archive of calls from my radio show over the past 10 years. Okay. I always for whatever reason, I saved the ghost story calls on on Halloween every year. And I just had an archive of them, and I thought, you know, I don't know why or when, but someday these are going to come to use. It was meant to be. So I've, I've held on to those things for literally the last 10 years. There's some calls that be the first episodes of the show that are probably, you know, eight, nine years old. Um, and it's kind of funny. You can tell where I was doing radio at the time by the accent of the people. Oh, really? <laughs> some are Wisconsin, some are Southern. Um but uh, that's that's how the show was. It was just strictly caller based. I never really had the idea at the beginning to necessarily read ghost stories. But then we started getting a couple in here and there, and I thought, oh, what else are we going to do? You know, read them. And I was also at the conundrum of, well, I only have so many calls in my archive I can go through, yeah, before I run out. Um, and then I had the ingenious idea of let's put together an 800 line and people can call in a little bit different. I'm not there to interact at any given time with the caller, but I kind of like having them just tell the story without us interjecting. 
you know. I think we get more response that way because they're less nervous because they're yeah. just essentially leaving a voicemail yeah. versus feeling like they're on the spot, like we're sure. going to ask them something. And it's, I mean, it's fun to, to, to get in a little bit more in depth. And in some cases we do when we talk to folks, sometimes we're able to call them back. But I like just exactly what you just said. I think it's more relaxed. They can tell their story. They're not on the spot. Um and it's just, it is what it is. It ends at a certain point. There's no, you know, digging to an area where it just, you know, they don't know what the answer to the question is. We don't know what the answer to the question is. Just, it is what it is. So I like the way this has evolved. I uh, do too. I'll say that. Um, so anyhow, lots of calls today. Uh, we will go to them uh, in just a few minutes. I want to do a little bit of follow-up. We had uh, a lot of people uh, giving us some more insight into the graveyard shift conversation that we were talking about. Okay. Um Michelle writes in, I just got back from a trip to New Orleans and wanted to uh, follow up your conversation regarding the graveyard shift. Jenny, you were right about what the term means, but let me take it one step further. We took a cemetery ghost tour, and while in the cemetery, the tour guide said when people were buried in the old days to make sure they were not buried alive, a string would be tied to a finger which connected to a bell outside the tomb. Men would walk. Uh, the cemetery at night listening for bells ringing so they could be saved by the bell. That's how the term saved by the bell came up. And my mother also emailed me that today, too. Oh, okay. She uh, she said it was the saved by the bell thing, and that's how that term originated, um, which is where the term comes from. Remember, people in New Orleans are buried above ground, which is a whole other story. So, Okay, good to know. There you go. My mother also commented in her email today uh, about the Saved by the Bell comment that uh, someone said on YouTube that she was delightful and she was very tickled by that. Uh-huh, yeah. So, so there you go. She's like, Tony, why did you say that? So anyhow, yeah, people like them. So uh, they'll, they'll visit, you know, periodically. Probably next time they'll be on the show is around Christmas. Um, and when we force them to have a Christmas ghost story session after opening presents on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What could be more Christmassy? Uh, another letter. Hi, Tony and Jen. Jen, when you were talking about graveyard shifts and the signals they had in place, the uh, uh, string and the bell, I have two items to add. My grandmother told me that the string would be tied around the deceased person's wrist. That string goes all the way to above the ground where the bell would be secured. The first couple of nights after a person was buried, someone would be assigned the graveyard shift, basically sitting next to the grave, listening for the bell. My grandmother said, this is where we get the phrase saved by the bell. Also, the person will be called a dead ringer. Okay. There's another term that we still use today that we have no idea where it comes from. There's in most all cases. kinds of terms that come from this whole process. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is another interesting part of this letter. Number two. Recently, I was talking to my 89-year-old neighbor. He is completely mentally sharp, and I enjoy a beer with him from time to time. We live in a rural Nebraska and started talking about old cemeteries in the area. I told him about Saved by the Bell, and he certainly had some creepy things to contribute. First of all, he said that only rich people could afford such luxuries like graveyard shifts. The majority of people were simply buried in a plain old pine box, and that was that. He then proceeded to tell me that many years ago, his brother was contracted to move a bunch of very old graves because they were relocating the cemetery. He said that his brother couldn't believe the number of graves that looked like something out of a horror movie. Okay. You know where I'm going with this? No. Any ideas? No. Any guesses? Just tell me. Something out of a horror movie. 
There were numerous graves that were literally scratched apart from the inside. Oh, God. Many with the arm, hand, or fingers of the corpse barely sticking out from the scratches where they had tried to escape. Just a thought, you might like to hear the wisdom of our elders and have some nice images in your head as you try to get to sleep tonight. Well, thank you for that. Tony, I'll bet that story made you think of the thriller video. Ha ha ha. Kind of. Where they're kind of crawling up. I wonder, in those times when this was going on and people were trying to scratch their way out, did, my question is, did anyone make it all the way out? Was there, did anyone scratch themselves out of the casket and somehow tunnel their way back up to the surface? I guess that it would be possible, but I would think that they would suffocate first. I think the lack of oxygen would. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of shocking to think that they're sitting there scratching because I would think the lack of oxygen would, would set in right away, you know, unless they're waking up immediately. Well, if, when they wake up, they're obviously going to be very frightened, which is yeah. going to cause their heart to beat faster and them to breathe faster, mm-hmm. which is going to actually hurt the whole thing of them trying to stay alive because they're yeah. going to use up their oxygen faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the energy of trying to scratch their way out, you know, obviously that's their only option, yeah. but it's going to use up what little oxygen they have that much faster. Hmm. Because there's not going to be any oxygen. I can't imagine there's very much time. No. I mean, what do you got? 10, 15 minutes? Even e- even in a sedate state, there I, can't be much before you get poisoned. I would say you'd probably have maybe half hour to an hour. So if you're waking up, you're waking up pretty quick to the point of when they put you in the ground. It's like maybe you're being awoken by the dirt being thrown on you. Well, it could be, but you know, when you're asleep, you breathe differently. You breathe slower. Sure. Um, but I would still think that even in that state, because that's such a small space. Right. That that still not, we're talking, you know, a couple square feet. Yeah, but what I'm saying is when they wake up and they realize they've yeah. been buried alive, that's when yeah. that curve of, you know. Gone. It, it ramps up. And scratch, they, scratch, scratch. Yeah, dead. they run out. Yeah. In fact, they'd probably stay alive longer if they just stayed asleep, even though that's not going to do them any good, but either a scratching their way out. That's why you need the bells. Yeah. And even then, if you rang the bell, I wonder how often when they did ring the bell and they started digging the people up, and we're talking, I'm talking the ones that are in the ground. I'm not talking the ones in New Orleans where you can just pop the cover and you're out like a Pringle. Um... The ones that are like deep down. Yeah. When those bells are ringing, you got to dig to get them up. Sure. So if you don't have a whole lot of time with that oxygen and the bells are ringing, are you digging quick enough to get them out? Well, here's something to think about. How though. many How many came out alive? Right. When the bells ringing. Well, here's to think about. Um, when you've just buried somebody, you know, and they only did the graveyard shift for like a couple of nights worth, you know then that dirt is still going to still be pretty loose put back on top of that grave. It's not going to yeah. be hard packed like when they initially dug it. So there, it's going to move faster, but yeah. I don't think I could shovel six feet fast enough to get somebody out alive. There's any stories of any people who were buried alive and 
what their life was like after. You know, did that? Ha- Is anybody alive today who that happened to? Well, we really heard, old people. We heard that story about the guy who wanted his ring back, so he dug up his fiance, and she was still alive. Oh, it's true. I wonder if they're still alive. I don't know. <laughs> it's getting morbid. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. Uh, love the show. And uh, I figured it was about time I went ahead and called in with a story of my own. Uh, I've got a few stories, but this one actually isn't super involved. And uh, it's probably not foolproof as far as debunking it. So maybe you guys would enjoy maybe giving me your two cents and talking about it for a little bit on the show. But anyways, um, this takes place around, it's about my grandmother. Uh, During my freshman year of college, she passed away suddenly. And I actually found out while I was at school and away from the family and everything. So I took it pretty hard. And uh, when I came back home, we had to address, you know, go to the funeral and all that sort of thing. And uh, it just so happens that this was also the first funeral I had to attend to. And uh, it was a open casket and everything. So it was definitely an experience to say the least. But um, anyways, a little backstory on my grandmother before we go too far into it. Um, I, I love, obviously I love ghost stories and paranormal encounters and all that sort of stuff and uh, she did too and she would actually share a few of her stories with me um, when we would talk when I would visit and so I kind of we had this understanding that you know she would maybe try to give me a sign uh, once she had passed away kind of thing and it was just one of those understood things that I knew to be really observant around that time and so throughout all the sadness and stuff, it kind of helped a little bit, kind of to assume that maybe she would have some kind of way to reach out to me. So anyway, fast forward back to the funeral. Um, at the time, of course, I'm a wreck. And I was there and it, it just kind of freaked me out, you know, being at my first funeral and everything. So I was kind of in the back. So everyone was towards the front. and doing everything they did and I'm just standing in the corner kind of alone and I couldn't really work up the courage right away to go up to the casket and so I'm standing in the corner kind of speaking to myself in my head but addressing it to her hoping that you know hey maybe she can hear me or something and I'm kind of having this one-sided conversation and so in my head I'm telling myself you know hey uh I'm so sorry I can't, I I don't have the strength to go over to you at the moment, but I love you, and I'm continuously talking to her, and I start rapping on myself, saying, why am I so scared to just walk over there? Why am I so far back? Can you just give me a sign? And literally, right around that time that I say that to myself in my head, um, the light above my head turns on well, physically in the building above, not like an idea, but in the ceiling, it, it just turned on. And it was at that point that I realized that there was even a, a light that was off. So this light just shines down on me, and I'm like, whoa, that's kind of strange because I make that connection, is this a sign? And when I look up, I realize that 
it's a part of the existing light that was already on, so it's not like someone had just slipped on this one light in the corner. Um, the other corners had had light, this one that just must have been burned out, which brings me to my point that, you know, maybe if it was actually burnt out, how could it turn on? Um, so that was kind of strange, but at the same time, it put me at peace. And so if you fast forward even farther, so now and even maybe a few years ago, just walking around at night on streets or something, I start to pick up, you know, street lamps, and they'll be off, and then as I pass them, they'll come on. And it's way more than just once or twice. And so I tell myself, you know, oh, maybe this is just her, you know, checking in and kind of just telling me, giving me the sign that I recognize then that I always would correlate with her. And uh, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to kind of think about. Um, granted, I know that there's a lot of skepticism in that story. I mean, lights can come on, electric can be faulty, and it could be a lot of coincidences, me walking by these street lights. But it's something that I kind of just like to think that maybe there was some kind of sign there. But um, nothing too big. That's all I've got for you, at least for this call. Thanks for listening, and once again, I love everything you guys do. Jenny, I love the slogan that you uh, came up with that we now use in the beginning. That's that's awesome. Uh, but thanks again, guys, and hopefully you'll use it, and it wasn't too bad of a call. Uh, bye. Thank you for your call. I'm glad you called in. And, you know, I'm not going to debunk it. You know, we all know that lights do funny things, but if it brings you peace, I think it's a good thing. And, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And the fact that it happens so frequently, there's probably something going on. I think it's a little signal from grandma. What do you think, Tony? I think it's complete bullshit. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Completely. Poor guy. Completely kidding. I am just kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> that was a great reaction. That was horrible, Tony. I do not think that. No, you know, I, I've honestly, <laughs> your reaction was. <laughs> no, I do not think that. I was completely kidding. I actually, I, um, I had a lot of similar things happen to me with lights. Um, so I, I know where he's coming from. Where. You know, I, I kind of have the, the conversation in my mind sometimes, like I'm debunking it myself with my own situations. Um, but then it's like, it's just, sometimes it's just too frequently. And it's just, um, it happened a lot when I was a teenager, um, more th- more so than I think now, or maybe I'm just not aware of it as much now. But uh, was I, I, I had plenty of times where I was like, if I was really emotionally vested in something or really... Um, you know, my emotions were running high, for lack of a better term. Street lights, particularly, uh, would react. My mom says this happens to her. My aunts say this happens to them, too. Um, I had one time, I remember, where I was driving down a, a road, and bam, 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 they all went off. Or on, depending on what. What was going on with you? Uh, I was uh, coming back from a date with a girlfriend. <laughs> Okay. At the time, I think I was like, I was driving. It was my, I think I was my sunbird, so I was, I had to be about sixteen years old. Okay. Um, and it was like, bam, 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 bam. It was good, weird. Good energy or bad energy? It was good. I was in a good mood. Oh. Um, <laughs> I go. Did you get lucky? No. Yeah. I, I didn't. No. Okay. No, but you know, anything at that time was like, oh wow. Yeah. You right. Know, but um, <laughs> it was. Uh, 
it was I remember a lot of times like that where I was driving home from a date or something where the lights were weird and I noticed them. Um, so I you know, you could debunk it by saying that a lot of lights do have sensors, which they do. Um, but usually the sensors are to turn them on, not necessarily turn them off. Um, and a lot of times it'd go off. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is, it's one of those stories where, you know, you could explain things certain ways, but to those of us who've experienced things like that, um, you know, sometimes it just, you know, there's too much of it to go. That's, yeah. that's BS. Cause there's just too much of it, you know? So. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it is BS. That was a great reaction I got from you. Thanks. That was. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, I wouldn't say that about any of our callers. I mean, unless they're really legitimately crazy, or, or when they were doing dishes and it turned out to be a demonic spirit. <laughs> I'd like to hear from her again and see how things are going. It would be good if, if uh, she is still listening to the show. Which she, she, she didn't hate us after that initial no. Uh, call. I'm glad she called back. Yeah. I, made the story even better yeah it'd be great to uh to hear back from her to uh to see what's what's going on in her world uh 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story let's go to another caller hi hi tony and jenny this is um isaac i wrote in with a story about my grandfather possibly haunting my house that's up for sale right now but and you guys wondered who the feminine voice was I believe that's my great-grandmother, or my grandfather's mother. But the reason I believe that is because we had a grandfather clock that was my at my grandfather's house, great-grandfather's house. And after she died, this clock was broken. It didn't work at all. Every night at midnight or so, it would go off. But um, we got that. We inherited it. And it's at our house right now. But um, So that's supposedly haunted by her, but... After I uh, wrote in, I'm trying to remember some of the uh, the smaller things that happened, but basically the same thing, footsteps, weird noises and stuff, more significant things where I was walking out of my room once and across the hall, my little sister's room was there and the door was open. But in her mirror, I saw almost like a shadow figure standing in front of it and it stood there for a minute, then it moved to where the whole mirror was vis- visible. <laughs> But then another time I was walking out again and I saw a figure like laying in her bed, a black figure. And I just figured it was her laying down. But um, I went downstairs and she was down there watching TV. But I don't think it's dark or anything. I think it's just a shadow figure of my great grandmother because it was about the same size as what she would have been in real life. But uh, also, um, Years ago, I think about four years ago, my um, grandfather, my great-grandfather, he was um, living alone because my great-grandmother had passed about six years ago. But he was there and weird things would happen. Like like I said, the grandfather clock would go off, but it's broken. And um, another thing is he would put out a bar of soap and it would go missing. And the next day he put out another one and it would go missing too. So he just completely stopped using bar soap. And, um, and another thing is he um, would lock his door every night, but the mail would appear at his doorstep inside, behind his door in the inside of the house, which was weird because he didn't have the mail slot on the door. So it was just like it would appear in his house and the door was always locked. But those are all the stories I have for now and I'll tell you more as soon as I can. Bye. 
855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Thanks for calling in and uh, following up on the uh, the previous story that you had uh, called in on or, or written in on with the uh, the mysterious female voice. We always do appreciate that when uh, we throw kind of our random questions out there, then you actually do reply back to them. Uh, it kind of um, puts a little bit of closure on some of those stories. And, of course, do call in with more of your stories. Uh, if you have a real ghost story, we'd love to hear it. Again, 855-853-4802. That's kind of the fast pass to get your ghost story on the air. Uh, or you can, of course, write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to another call. Hi. Hi, uh, Tony and Jenny. Uh, first of all, I uh, really love your show. I just discovered it recently, and uh, I've really been a fan of podcasts lately, so uh, yours is one of the best. Um, my name's Ruben, and I'm from Modesto, California, and uh, that's no EVP in the background. It's my son. Um, Thank you. But uh, I wanted to share a story. This didn't happen to me, but um, I'd heard it so many times from my brother and his friend who it did happen to. And so I feel like I uh, have enough knowledge to be able to share this. Um, What happened was uh, this was back in 1996, I want to say. He at the time was about 19 and I was uh, cruising around with a couple of his friends, his his buddy, and uh, his girlfriend at the time, and uh, somebody else, another girl. So the four of them were driving around, and uh, they came upon a red light. And they looked over to their left, and there was a white car. And in the white car were two women wearing white and a man in the back who was wearing a black hoodie or some sort of hooded shirt and um, the story my brother said that the the two girls uh, looked over at looked over at their car and did that thing that uh, made a cross and, and kissed their hands you know I'm not sure what that's called but if it has a name but uh, they, they made that gesture towards them and they were very serious and solemn throughout doing that and the guy in the back, was just kind of snickering and according to my brother he said that it appeared as if the guy in the back didn't quite belong um, in that whole car he just kind of was out of place in a way so they didn't think much of it and they continued about their night a couple hours later as they're heading back um, towards home um, an otherwise very busy street in our city that serves as an east-west artery uh, was all of a sudden very uh, there was no traffic there at all it was dead and up coming up on their side now was another white car and the man inside the car was completely unconscious and possibly dead he was bleeding from his nose and his head was resting against the steering wheel and the car, co- the car comes up fishtailing uh, and driving really crazily and um, ends up uh, crashing into the side of a house. Well, not the, the actual house, but a, a, a wooden fence along the side of a house on a corner street 
because there's a residential area that branches off of uh, the main road there. So the car hits the fence. My brother and his friends stop their car right in front of the house uh, where the fence was, and they figure, okay, this guy's in serious danger, and we need to get him some help. So they get out of the car, and, well, my brother gets out at least. I think he gets out first. And then the car spins back around, flashes its, flashes its headlights at him, and then uh, starts driving towards him. I don't think it was going very fast. He certainly had enough time to kind of get out of the way. But at that moment, the owner of the house came outside and without asking any questions or taking any kind of report whatsoever, he tells his son, son, go chase that car as the car you know, drives down uh, the street and, and kind of gets away from the scene. And the son just automatically, just as if he had done this many times before, starts chasing the car. Now, my brother and his friends were trying to tell the man uh, what had happened. And here's another interesting thing. They said that he was willing to speak to them. He told them a bit of information about himself, how long he'd been living there uh, as the conversation went on. But whenever they had mentioned anything about the ghost car hitting the fence or anything like that, they said that he just completely ignored them. He wanted, he just, as if they were not even there, he, he did not respond to it. He did not acknowledge it. He just, just had nothing to do with it and would not speak of it. So, um, as they pointed out the fence to him, you know, they looked over there and there was no damage to that fence at all. The car had slammed into it. I'm not sure at what speed, but they it hit the fence, and nothing happened to the fence. Um, then two police officers showed up, and uh, they uh, kind of had the same mentality as the owner of the house. They wanted nothing to do with what was going on. Uh, they took no questions. They took no report. They didn't write anything down. Uh, they just told my brother and his friends, you guys got to go get out of here. This, uh, this isn't a place for you to be. Just leave. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not sure what the exact words were spoken, but the impression was given that they didn't want anything to do with what had just happened and that they wanted uh, my brother and his friends to, to leave the scene. So that's the story. Uh, he, My brother took me the next day um, I remember the very next day we went driving out there and he showed me some of the, it was during the election season and a lot of the uh, signs that had been posted along that busy road were knocked down um, as a result of uh, the car having fishtailed and, and having hit them and knocking them, knocking them down uh, from the night before. Um, that, that's my story. And uh, you know, it's still to this day, the strangest thing, that I've ever heard of happening to anybody close to me. I mean, I, I do have a couple more. Maybe I'll call in a different time and share those. But uh, this one I particularly liked because it's a bit of a blend between the paranormal and kind of like a glitch in the matrix, if you will. You know, so um, anyhow, that's it. 
Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for your call. All right, I have a theory. Okay. I think it's residual energy playing over and over, and I bet you the homeowner and the cops have heard that story before, and they just are done. They don't want to have anything else to do with it. It's kind of what it sounds like. That would be my guess. I mean, it would be hard to believe that the police and the homeowners had this not been something that they had experienced in the past would just be so passive like they didn't care about it. Yeah. I mean, because there's no reason why you wouldn't, why you would feel like that, you know? I mean, unless it's like some sort of mafia figure that there is driving the car and they don't want the, to be murdered if they report the car, or, you know, something like that. But I, I bet it's like a, a ghost car. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking so, and I'm thinking they've heard of it because, too, the police were called. If, the, if you know, the police suspected the kids being up to no good, mm-hmm. First of all, the kids wouldn't have called the police. Yeah. But, you know, for them to just be like, okay, just go on, you Mm -hmm. know. I have a feeling that's not the first time that story's been told. That's interesting. It'd be interesting if there's any other folks in that area that that have any insight into that, if that's a... I could see that being like an urban legend, you know, or, or not necessarily urban legend, but one of those things that happens to so many people it kind of becomes an urban legend but only certain people have actually experienced it right I mean that's kind of the thing that some urban legends are made of you know where there is the basis and it happens to only a few people but it's just so bizarre yeah thank you for the call again 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story we would absolutely love to hear it Melinda's writing in I've tried leaving a comment on iTunes but all I found was a link to your podcast from there, a link to your site. Here's a comment. Oh, this is a comment on our show. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It, it's positive, but I don't. I don't. I feel weird reading some of these because it's so, it's so positive. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but thank you. Um, they have a story though too. Here. Um, okay, my story. Back in high school, I dabbled in witchcraft a bit. My friends and I played with a Ouija board a couple of times. I tried uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Had done some uh, protection spells and some circles. I remember kids playing light as a feather and stiff as a board. I don't know what that is. I don't remember how they did it. Okay. Um, I just remember like some of the girls would talk about like playing that. Okay. And I don't know. I don't know if it had anything to do with witchcraft or what it did. I just remember. To me, it just it always sounded like just some one of those games that you girls all play together. Sure. You know. I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't know how you play it or what, what the goal is. Uh-huh. Uh, when playing light as a feather, we got our friend about an inch off the ground, just enough uh, to not be touching anymore. We started to hear strange noises, just more house creaks than usual. Feel the shadows crouching in on us, see the candle flicker from the non-existent breeze in the house. We decided that was enough. Well, I don't know. It actually produced levitation. Otherwise, I would have been more excited about trying to play some of these things when I was young and stupid. Um, I just thought it was stupid things that people were doing, which in probably most cases it is. Uh, During our last circle, which had been in my living room, we had called on my grandfather, who had passed the year before. We asked for flickers of the center of the candle. Only the center candle flickered as we all held our breath. We continued on, casting a binding spell. We heard someone open a door and go into my grandmother's room, closing that door behind them and closed our circle. Thinking my dad or his partner had awoken, we were about to be in trouble. We carried on with our sleepover, going to sleep 
talking about what we uh, would do uh, in our next practice. Please understand we only practice white magic as we considered ourselves Wiccan and never once practiced black magic. We each came from Christian backgrounds. However, uh, any witchcraft was severely off limits to us. We awoke in the morning and out days went and our days went normal as usual, all except when I had asked if we had woken anyone up the night before. My question was met with a no. So no one got up in the middle of the night and no one went to grandma's room? No. Not long after, it had been I had been home alone after school one day surfing the internet for Wiccan websites. As soon as the page completed loading, I heard angry footsteps coming down the hall from the direction of my grandmother's room. Thinking I was about to be caught, I panicked, closed the page immediately, and then remembered no one else was home. From that day on, I never practiced witchcraft again. The binding spell was cast on a girlfriend of ours that had been cutting herself. She never harmed herself again after that spell. Thank you for letting me share. I'm looking forward to your next show. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I someone have to fill us in on what those games are. This is, you know, it, it, I think I remember like kids talking about playing those games, and when you're in that state of peer pressure, you just kind of say, "Oh yeah, I know what they're talking." And it's one of those things that were never actually explained. I never knew what the hell they were talking. About. I know. <laughs> just like kind of moved on, and and I never was involved with it. So I was like, "Oh yeah, they're playing stiff as a board or like whatever." You know. Right. But I'd love to hear more of if how those games work and and uh, what anyone's experiences were with them back in the day 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories let's go to a call hello hi tony and jenny uh this is joe ear from uh, florida i think you're trying to uh think of the graveyard shift not the night shift the graveyard shift and what they did in those times was they would tie a string to the person's foot and it would go right down into the coffin and then it was hooked to a bell that was uh, connected to a tree and the individual would stay all night if the bell started ringing uh, they would dig up the ground and obviously the person was still alive the reason they would put it on the foot is because when somebody wakes up automatically they're going to start moving and the foot would be the more logical place to put the string on, on the toe and the foot area. Anyway, that's what that was. It was a graveyard shift, and that's what it was called. Uh, real quick story on the Ouija board. The reason why I think there's so many uh, uh, attachments or events that are happening uh, to this individual board that people keep buying or associating with is that the intent is there which means they are intending to communicate with something. They are opening themselves up to this communication, and that's the reason why stuff starts to happen. And as you know, the Ouija board means we, meaning yes. Yes, I accept you. Uh, please come in into my space or my atmosphere. So I think that's the reason why that is happening, and so much is happening now with, with the board and needs to be discussed is because it's acceptance to the board. You are accepting, you are letting yourself open. And that's the reason why I think uh, people are getting more paranormal uh, uh, activity happening with them. Quick story, I had a Ouija board in my younger days, in my 20s, and it was funny because when I got the Ouija board, I lived in this apartment complex in this apartment, and me and my buddy started using it. Uh, in the hallway in the living room, we saw this light anomaly uh, going around the room, which I think was an angel trying to prevent something dark to enter into the atmosphere or into the environment. Uh, 
a couple of days later, I woke up in the middle of the night and found my um, yearbook uh, against the uh, closet door sliding up and down. Also, my headboard was yanked. So I think evidently I, I, I myself bought something in, but uh, I closed the porter and got rid of the keyboard. Now today is a different uh, subject all entirely. Anyways, I thought I would share that with you, and I enjoy your show, enjoy listening to it. Um, you guys have a good day, okay? And God bless. Bye. Thank you for calling in. We always love your calls. And, we do. Uh, and your insight into the story. So uh, never feel like you're calling in too frequently. I know I've heard that from a couple of folks, but uh, please do not uh, feel that way. We love uh, especially your insight on, on some of these things because it, it comes to really from a more professional perspective. Mm-hmm. And someone with a lot of experience, uh, so we, we always uh, greatly appreciate it uh, when you do call in and, and uh, share your perspective on things. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. So that's two people that are in the know as far as how this stuff works that mm-hmm. have said the same thing, that it's the intent. Yep. So... That should say something to all you naysayers that think that Ouija boards are safe. And I don't think there's a lot of them. There's a handful. There's a handful, but I... Or maybe even less than a handful. I just don't want... There's a sprinkling. Anybody to think that at least get the message from us. Just don't even mess with them. Yeah. It's not worth it. And that's why we're introducing a a lovable stuffed character, kind of like McGruff the Crime Dog. Uh, that's going to uh, help with our uh, our Ouija Awareness Month. Oh bullshit! <laughs> it's nay. I'm trying to make this up as I go. Yeah, you're kind of not doing very blank. good. <laughs> I got nothing. No. Nope. Uh, it's it's Snuckles the snake and Snuckles the snake uh, is uh, he looks you know kind of like something demonic but he actually came to the other side and he's going to talk to the kids about the dangers of the Ouija board. Snuckles, hi, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm Snuckles. Yeah, that's going to fly. <laughs> Ouija Awareness Month is October. Get your free rulers. Anyhow, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is the number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Wouldn't it have been fun if we had like a 666 number? <laughs> Didn't we have something 666 yesterday? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday when I uh, I was checking the stats on the show uh, for the uh, the iTunes downloads for the uh, the month, it was sitting at, uh, and, and this it fluctuates constantly, but the moment I checked it, right before we went on the air yesterday, it was sitting at 113,666, which I thought was funny because you got the 13 in there, which is considered a fairly unlucky number, and then 666. I'm like, well, that's perfect. It's a great way to start the show. Yeah. And you hit refresh, and it's, you know, up there again. I think by the end of the show, we had like 114,000 or something. So, anywho, uh, 855-853-4802. Hi. Hey, guys. This is Cameron calling from uh, Seattle. Uh, first time calling. Uh, Going to call. Sorry if I sound a little nervous. Like I said, my first time calling. But uh, anyway, for my story, um, back when I was 16 years old, and I'm 19 now, so about three years ago, uh, my parents went on vacation uh, to California for about a week, so I was left home alone. And um, as I was left home alone, I kept like feeling like a presence watching me, like, and, I, and it's never happened before. And I know I looked it up on the internet. A lot of people say when they sleep or whenever they always kind of feel like maybe something's watching them. But I talked to one of my uh, friends about it, 
and he told me what I should do to get like a video camera and like start recording and like see if I can like and like kind of try to talk or whatever see if I can kind of like get whatever is there to show up or say anything <laughs> and I you know I, I'm not really I wasn't a big believer or anything so I was like but whatever give it a try so I just have my I got my dad's camera and started recording and I was just like uh, if anyone's there just show yourself or uh, just talk to me or whatever kind of what they do on like I guess ghost uh, hunters or whatever whatever show that is and I was doing it for about two minutes just saying if anyone's there just tell me you know and I'm just I'm thinking to myself this is stupid uh, I can't believe I'm doing this and then I hear this this scream come from downstairs and it, it sounded like a 12 year old girl's version of like Naomi Watts' scream from the movie King Kong like it was just it was loud and it was just and it, like I said it sounded like, like a 12 year old girl version of that and I got it on camera and everything uh, obviously uh the voice because I didn't say anything and um, that freaked me out like I didn't even want to go downstairs it sounded like it came from downstairs and just to say there was no TVs were on nothing was on there were no windows were open so there was nothing outside or anything so I was kind of I was a little freaked out turned the camera off kind of called my friend over we hung out for a little bit kind of made me feel a little bit better but that night I got I got curious again so uh what I thought I'd do is I thought I'd set up the camera, plug it into the wall and everything so it wouldn't run out of battery. I turned on night vision and pointed it towards my bedroom door. And I just, when I went to sleep, I was just going to record. So what I did is like, I closed the door, but I didn't close it all the way. I just closed it so it was like at least open just a crack because if it did open, I didn't want to hear the handle opening or anything. I didn't want to hear that because that would just freak me out. And um, my door is not one of those doors that squeaks or cracks. If it's open slow or fast, so if I just left it open or crack, I wouldn't have heard it at all, so nothing would have freaked me out. So um, anyway, I uh, in my bed, turn the lights off and everything, camera's rolling, and I, it's about five minutes into it, and I just, I just feel my heart like beating, like to the point where if you ever played like football or any sport, and like after you get done running really fast, your heart's beating really fast or whatever, it's like twice as fast as that. I can, like, without even putting my hand on my chest, I can just feel it going boom, 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 boom. Probably like that fast, too. And um, at this point, I'm just freaked out. And it's, it's sitting there, and I'm, that's happening for about two minutes. And I'm telling myself, well, I have, I have to do something, because if I, if I just keep letting my heart beat this fast and not do anything, I mean, I, so, your heart's not supposed to beat that fast. That's something that's about to happen if that happens. So what I did is really quickly, I closed my eyes. And I ran uh, to the, the light switch in my bedroom because I know my bedroom enough to, you know, run with my eyes closed. And uh, I turn on the light real quick and then open my eyes. And my bedroom door is open. And I, I, at that point, I'm just, I'm freaked out. You know, it's, it's all the way open, like it's touching the wall and everything. So what I do is um, I, I look at the camera. I stop the recording. I look at it. And the only part of me you can see in this video is my feet, because um, uh, the way my bed's positioned and everything, it's not really anywhere close to the door, so you can kind of see my feet, but that's it. So whether or not anything was standing over me or anything, I have no clue. But so I'm watching the video, and the door opens. I'm watching it, and the door just opens really fast. But remember, I remember I didn't hear anything under the cover, so I mean, they must have whoever opened it must have stopped right before I got into that uh, right before it hit the wall. 
and uh, I'm watching and it opens really fast. It's not one of those slow openings. And then it closes, but it doesn't close all the way. It just closes to the crack where I left it before. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm still watching the video or whatever. And it gets to the point in the video where you can see me get up and run towards the door with my eyes closed and turn on the light. And as I'm getting up with my eyes closed to go turn on the light, the door, which was, like I said, closed, because it came in, opened it, and closed it as whatever came in, and I didn't see anything. Like, this is just the door opening by itself and closing. There's nothing you can see in this video. As I get up and run to go turn the lights back on with my eyes closed, the door opens again. And then when I turn on the light, that's how I saw the door open. So I'm thinking to myself, whatever is in that room, like, open the door and closed it. And then when I got up to go turn the lights on, I opened it real quick, almost like it was trying to escape. But like I said, you can see nothing in the video. My dad comes home from vacation and everything, and I'm I'm showing him the video and everything, and he's just telling me, "Oh, your your friends are he likes to pull pranks." So he's he's thinking this is me and my friends just having a good time or whatever, trying to like scare people. So he deleted the video, which really sucks because I would love to send it to you guys. To, that, like I said, you can't see anything in the video. Um, there's a video I took earlier, and I say you could hear the girl screaming, but the one where I'm sleeping, when the, do the door just opens and closes all the way, though, like I said, just right back to that crack. And then when I get up to go turn the light on while my eyes are closed, the door opens again, almost like whatever was in there was trying to escape. And to this day, I still kind of feel like there's always some of a presence watching me, but I've never had those problems again because I've never tried to confront it again with anything like that. I've never tried to ever videotape anything. I've never tried to talk to anything. It's just whenever I sleep, I always kind of feel like something's watching me, but that's about it. And anyway, that's my story. Uh, thanks for listening. I love your guys' show a lot. Thanks. Bye. Sounds to me like he kind of invited something in just by the friend saying, hey, Try this, and he didn't really believe it, but it was almost kind of like a challenge of, okay, after yeah, there, you know, let's see. I let's think see there it. was something already there, but that kind of stirred it up. Like it, well, it, and that's the thing you got to be careful with is if there is something there, if you give it that invite and you give it permission essentially to do something, which is kind of what he was doing, giving it the permission, that's where, you know, dark things can start happening. Yeah. I agree. You know, it kind of makes me think of, at least in our neck of the woods, this is a big problem when we have bad storms. We have people that, well, I saw how they did it on TV. I'm going to go chase me a tornado. <laughs> you know, it I, always works out well. I kind of feel like sometimes that's the same thing, you know. Kind of is, yeah. Kind of doing the amateur version of what you saw on TV that actually can make things worse or be more dangerous. If they can do it on the TV, I can do it too. Yeah. Yeah. And then it ends up where you have, uh, you know, demons around your home for a little while uh, or forever. All right. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the story. I hope, uh, you know, how did uh, did it end? I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm kind of blanking on how it ended. Did he say that it stopped? He didn't say that it continued, so I'm assuming that it stopped, okay. but it was a very real encounter when he was younger. Yeah. Interesting. 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Remember, please press that subscribe button. That helps us out quite a bit. So if you're listening and you're liking the show and it's your first time here and you've been debating, should I subscribe or should I not? Just press subscribe right now. There you go. Press subscribe. Just, just click it. That's all you gotta do. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you. Hi. 
Hello, fellow members of the group therapy for the paranormally affected. Um, oh, hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. Um, my name is Caesar. I called a while ago uh, trying to explain a small story about how my mom and my grandma used to tell us that we were, uh, our family ancestry was actually of part of uh, witchcraft or in Spanish it was brujería which means witchcraft but you know I guess I didn't specify because you did say that there's different types and it's true I guess in my family those both types both good and bad I can't really tell to you you know tell you too much because my grandmother my grandmother never really explained it too well she never really wanted to get into it um I have a couple stories. Hopefully, you guys would actually want to hear them. And uh, I wanted to tell you one of them. Uh, it's a quick one. So, when I was in about like sixth grade, I lived in a house in California where I currently live in California, but I lived in a previous city. And in that house, it was a uh, three-bedroom house with a really big, large backyard and a pretty good-sized front yard, you know, parking, like in the garage, two-car two garage. Um, it was a pretty good house. It was behind a uh, golf course, like one of those uh, golf course neighborhoods. And um, a lot of weird things used to always happen in there. Um, I was little, so I tried, like, I kind of didn't know what was going on. My sisters and my mom and my dad would usually always tell me, oh, don't worry about it, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's nothing. Um, I used to get told that all the time up until they gave me my own room. Um, when they gave me my own room, they used to tell me, well, you know, just don't worry about anything, go to sleep, you know. It, Every day was a you know normal day, up until one day when my sisters came up to me and they told me, "Oh, um, Caesar, would you want to trade rooms?" And I said, "You guys have the big room. Why would you guys want to go to the small room?" And they told me, "Well, because we don't like you know we want to get you know a smaller room. We don't you know you're a baby brother. You should be able to get the big room." I said, "Okay," and I switched everything. You know, we switched rooms. We moved everything, and that's when it pretty much happened. Uh, Every day around 11 at night, I would get three knocks on the window on time every day. It was at night, and, you know, you can say, well, maybe there's, you know, bushes, or maybe there's something hitting the window. Well, it's really hard to do that because it was a really tall house, and the windows weren't, like, you couldn't open them. They were just for the sunlight to come in. And they were about, like, maybe over six feet tall. And as soon as you go outside and you would look towards that window, all there would be was a wall, grass, and a fence, and like the back wall. But there was no trees. We had no trees. We had nothing. It was just grass and the fence and our house. It was the thing that kept on going every single day. And at times it would get louder or sometimes it would be really faint. But because of that, I found out that that was the reason why my sisters always wanted to trade rooms with me. There's more involved with it, but, you know, they always say that those three knocks are usually to mock the Holy Trinity. It's kind of creepy, especially with things that happen besides that. Well, 
that was my try to be quick story hopefully you guys use it um love the show you guys are the best um hopefully you guys actually do want to hear the rest of my stories if not i mean whatever but i'll if anything i'll try to email them or call again all right bye yeah feel free to call more of your stories in it's never a good thing when your sisters are trying to trade a room with you uh, no. uh, for a better room. There, there, you know, there's something going on there. You immediately have to go. This is like an Amityville situation, isn't it? There's a reason this room is being given away. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> an interesting story of, uh, would that be sibling rivalry or would that, uh, that's not rivalry. That's uh, well, and then on the, re-sibling. In the re- sister's siblings. defense, maybe she thought that it would stop if they switched the rooms. Maybe she thought it had something to do with her. No, she didn't. She just didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> okay. You're thinking she's being too nice because you were the mean big sister once. I was, but if there was something creepy going on... You wouldn't on, do that. I wouldn't have done no. that to my little brother. Sure. No, I understand that, but in this case, he had a mean big sister. <laughs> Do call in or write in or either one. Tell us your stories. Yeah. I like your stories. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. Hi. Hi. My name is Elizabeth. I just started listening to the show. I love it. And I wanted to thank you guys for bringing it out there so that uh, we have somewhere to kind of discuss um, situations that might be a little... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just... Um, I'm just going to go right into it. So I am a nurse, and I work on an Alzheimer's unit. Most of our patients are 85, older. Some are on their way. Some are in hospice. We just have um, a lot of older uh, patients. So one night, I work night shift. Uh, one night I came in, and I was told about uh, a situation that had happened early in the morning. Around 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, one of the CNAs had gone into uh, one of our patients' rooms, opened the bathroom door, and saw a upper torso apparition. The CNA that was with her was standing in the doorway of the room, so she was unable to see the bedroom, I mean, I'm sorry, the bathroom, but was able to see um, this, the other CNA's reaction. She had told me that if it had not if she had not seen the CNA's reaction herself, she would not have believed it. Uh, going back, construction, I don't know if this has something to do with it, but construction had just started uh, down the hallway. Uh, this is a big unit, I mean, this is a big hospital, and we do have uh, different types of care for different types of patients. Um, so I was let know about it. I work night shift. Another thing I want to explain is we have motion sensors in the rooms of residents or patients that can't move around on their own. Uh, I was given that information. I kind of laughed it off. I came in and um, proceeded to do my work. And one of the uh, sensors went off in one of the rooms where the resident can't move. Patient, resident, patient, same thing. Uh, Can't move. So I walked into the room, and she's sound asleep, sound asleep. The minute I walk into the room, the sensor goes off in another room of another resident patient who can't move. So I walk over there, and again, once I get there, it, it kept going back and forth. 
Um, the resident, I mean, I would go into one room, the resident would be sleeping, uh, then the pager or the sensor would go off in the other room. Um, I had joked with a friend of mine, and I was saying, you know, this is really odd because I'm not scared. I mean, I feel like something's there, but I'm not scared. And my friend, you know, of course, I can't take pictures. I can't do anything, you know, to try to, I don't know, calm myself down because I am hearing things. I am feeling things, and I'm obviously seeing uh, proof because, like I said, the sensors only go off when there's movement, and these people cannot move on their own. So I continue to go about, and this um, happened nightly for about four days on my shift. I left for three. I came back. I kept hearing stories about, you know, uh, alarms going off. I think there was a pull tab alarm that went off and, you know, there was nobody there to pull it. A lot of activity. Uh, one of the managers suggested, or it, it wasn't just me, like I said, everybody was having experiences. One of the managers uh, brought to our attention that there was uh, construction going on down the hall and maybe that could possibly be it. Um, this is a Catholic faith-based uh, community, so it got to the point where uh, they had a priest come down and bless the unit because it got all, I mean, you know, rumors got out all over. It was, you know, everybody had their own experiences. Um, there were a couple times where, now this is summertime, I would go into a room, air conditioning is off in that room, and you'd look at the thermostat, and it's 50 degrees in there. Uh, there have been times, even tonight, because <laughs> I, you know, when I was at work, uh, where I felt like someone was behind me, and looked, and there was, it felt like there was something in my peripheral, but it was gone before I even turned my head all the way. Um, there have been times where I've even said, "Not now, I can't do this," and the feeling uh, kind of disappears. It's, it's been pretty scary. I mean, if we have any more incidences, you know, I, of course, we'll call back. Um, at first, it wasn't alarming. At first, it wasn't scary. It was just more curious. But the more, I want to say aggressive it gets, the more scared I get. Um, again, I'm here on my unit pretty much by myself. It's locked down. So I, I could just be hearing things, but, you know, with the sensors going off and the pull tabs being turned on and the full body apparitions, I find it hard to believe that it's in everybody's head. So I apologize. I'm not very good at talking to recording, so I might not have made sense. I hope I did. Uh, thanks for listening to my story if you have any um, suggestions to what it might be or how I can kind of get rid of it I will definitely be listening and uh, thank you again yeah I I believe there's something going on there it's not in your head clearly I mean the amount of things that are going on I mean they the sensors and stuff those are things that ghost investigators bring into situations to try and determine if there is something going on so I mean I I fully believe there is something going on as to what it is I don't know I would be concerned too if it's getting more and more aggressive um, what are your thoughts do you think it's just uh, upset ghost if it's beginning progressively more aggressive or is it a case where oh I'm getting a 
attention. The ghost is thinking, I'm getting attention, so I'm going to keep doing more things. It could be a cranky old ghost. Okay. I could see it just being a human ghost to, uh, where that's what it is. It's, it's, it's figuring out ways to manipulate things to get attention and seeing it, what's working, it's, it's doing more and more of it. Um, because it, it, we're not really seeing anything that's causing any harm to anyone yet. Right. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if there is harm that starts to be caused to people, then I'd start to pause and wonder what else is going on here. Um, but it's almost kind of poltergeisty where it's, you know, doing these things, you know, the, um, in a unit like that, I would assume there's probably been a lot of people who've passed away, mm-hmm. um, probably a lot of energy and such. So, um, let me ask you something. You know how we've talked about how sometimes poltergeist activity can get stirred up by like teenage girls going through all the hormonal yeah. Raging and changes. Well, what about older people going through Alzheimer's with all those changes and, you know, dementia and being confused and being sometimes aggressive and sometimes... I would think so. I would think it's kind of along I, those lines. I kind of see a parallel there. I wonder if maybe that stirs up activity, actually. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, like I said, I've been asking if someone would call in who's, you know, has firsthand experience in a unit like that, uh, if there's activity that they are witnessing, and there we go. There you go. Um, I, I wonder how, how common it is, you know, where things like this are going on in units like that. Uh, I'd love to hear from more folks uh, who may be in those, uh, those situations that can shed some light on that. As for what to do about it, uh, I have absolutely no idea. I know. Um, I wish we could help. That's something where I'm going to open that up to our uh, our ghost experts that listen into this show. Uh, you know, maybe like Cisco, uh, maybe Mary, maybe our uh, our demonologist friend John, right? Joe. Joe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, Joe. We love you, Joe. In Florida. Sorry. He's in Florida. Yeah. Right? Yes. I know where you live, Joe. <laughs> 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 I'll be watching. And um. Uh, Joe, uh, be good to get maybe some of his insight into that. I, I don't know if it's a demon or not. Joe, do you think it's a demon? I don't know. I mean, is that a, what she described? Is that uh, exhibiting those sort of things? Um, let, let's get some of the, that feedback on a future episode and see um, see what they think. And if, if you have some insight, maybe just some thoughts, you know, feel free to write in or call in. The phone number is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 is uh, our phone number to call in uh, with uh, with your real ghost stories, your insight, your comments, whatever you want to share with us. We would absolutely love to hear it. And of course, before we leave you for today, I'm going to ask again, please subscribe to the show, share the show on uh, Facebook on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Reddit, on whatever you like to use. Uh, Let the folks know about this episode of the show. Helps us grow quite a bit if you found it enjoyable today. Can we Uh, give a shout out to our friends at the uh, Guitar Factory in Nashville? Is it the Gibson Guitar Factory? Uh, Yeah. I... Gotta remember what guitar. I just think that Gibson is guitar. Yes, you are right. Awesome that they listen to us. Yes, some that. of the folks at the Gibson Guitar Factory That's work great. on uh, some of those guitars and listen to us um, on a daily basis. So thank you so much. I always love hearing where folks are listening to us. I know we're very much an at-work listening show, which is funny because when I used to think of radio and at-work listening, it was like we're your at-work station. Here's Celine Dion and Hall and Oates. You know, yeah. It's like here's ghost stories. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, how at work listening has changed over the years. So, uh, right and of course, let us know where you listen to us uh, at work, and we'll give you a shout out. We uh, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, so, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.